You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressandcrest.org. Well, I want to welcome you back with us today to Road Talk and Navigating Your Journey. We are going to begin a new series today. In last episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing our new youth minister, Erin Fari. And if you have not listened to that conversation about her ministry and her passion, I'd encourage you to go back and do that when you have a chance. But we're going to begin a new series today that I am calling Bumper Sticker Theology. Bumper Sticker Theology theology. You know, there are many things said in our lives in casual, even spiritual conversations that sound really good, but if you step back and think about what's been said, you realize it's just not true. And people are not necessarily trying to be deceptive when they say these comments. They have good intentions. They just don't really think about what they're saying. It sounds good, it sounds biblical, but it really isn't. Statements like, cleanliness is next to godliness. Have you ever heard somebody say, that's in the Bible, it's in there somewhere. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, if that's in the Bible, apparently there are a lot of ungodly people in the world who just aren't very clean. It appears like they may be afraid to shower. They are totally and completely opposed to a nice, clean shave. As good as it sounds, cleanliness is next to godliness, just is not in the Word of God. Sometimes we see bumper stickers on the back of cars that make statements like, God is my co-pilot. Well, again, that sounds really good until you see that bumper sticker on the back of a car that's been in an accident. And you think to yourself, well, if God is your co-pilot, he hasn't had a lot of experience driving, or you have had too much experience, he needs to be the pilot, you need to be the passenger. But I think the one that takes the cake of all of them, I remember happened in one of my first ministry meetings years ago. I was sitting in a men's business meeting on a Sunday afternoon, and I made a motion that we try something a little bit differently, a new idea that I thought was a good idea. And one of the deacons at the table leaned in to me and said, Young man, if Jesus heard you say that, he would roll over in his grave. Now think about that. Jesus would roll over in his grave. Really? That sounds catchy. And we use it for other experiences, other situations, but saying that Jesus would roll over in his grave, well, that's about as unbiblical as it gets. 
and I remember wanting to tell that gentleman. I was young at the time and didn't have the courage, but I wanted to tell him, uh, Brother, I've got some good news for you. He's not in that grave, and that's kind of why we're here today. Now, serious or joking aside, we hear a lot of bumper sticker theology in our world, in the Christian church at large. We hear some statements that sound so good. They make for great tweets. They look good on t-shirts. They look great on coffee mugs. We hang them above our dinner tables. But when you look at them in depth, when you hold them up next to the Word of God, you realize that's just not true. That is not a biblical teaching at all. And in many ways, many Christians and many churches are living on what I like to call bumper sticker theology. And the first bumper sticker we're going to consider in this series is the statement, follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Have you ever heard someone tell you, just follow your heart because you'll never go wrong? Well, that statement, though it comes probably from a good place, is as diametrically opposed to the teaching of Scripture than anything you'll ever hear in your life. Because the Scripture teaches you can't really follow your heart. Because if you do follow your heart, it's a very dangerous way to live your life. Just consider what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. He said, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jeremiah cuts right to the chase, doesn't he? If we think we can always trust our heart, we're wrong. Because our heart plays games with us. The heart is deceitful. Much like it was then, the heart is known today as the house of emotion, and our emotions can be very tricky. In fact, when people follow their heart, when they follow their emotion, it gets them into a lot of trouble. Maybe they follow their heart on purchasing something they know they can't afford, but their heart wants it, so they do it. They follow their heart on who they should marry, even when they know that they aren't marrying a Christian or someone who is compatible with their personality or someone who is going to lead them closer to Jesus. They enter into that relationship because it's what the heart wants. Or they follow their heart on the career that they choose, not because they're passionate about that line of work, not because it's going to be good for their family or for their own personal development or really any other matter in life other than the fact that they're driven by the paycheck. A bigger paycheck is going to be more happiness, right? Scripture says wrong. Very, very wrong. Yes, sometimes we follow our heart all the way to bankruptcy or divorce court or adultery because the heart is deceitful. Jesus would sing a similar tune, a similar chorus, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. We covered this statement in our series this summer on the Sermon on the Mount, but Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, sometimes that can be a good thing, 
especially if our treasure is heaven, how Jesus tells us it should be in the previous verses. But what if our treasure isn't the right treasure? If our treasure is popularity, our heart will be focused on being popular. If our treasure is money, our heart will be focused on getting rich. If our treasure is pleasure, our heart will be focused on sin and self. The heart is easily swayed. Why would anyone follow something that is so fickle? Jesus made another statement about the heart in Matthew 12, 34. He said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Have you ever suffered from foot and mouth disease? Not foot and mouth disease. I know that's a real thing. I remember all of my boys when they were babies, they would take turns having foot and mouth disease. I'm talking about foot in mouth disease, where you often say things you know you shouldn't say, and as soon as you begin to say them, you want to reach out and grab those words and pull them back in, but you just can't do it. You put your foot in your mouth again. I love the story about an older woman who called a local church office one day, reached the preacher and said, Yes, preacher, I was curious if you could do the funeral for my precious Frankie. And the preacher said, Well, I'm so sorry for your loss. Who was Frankie? The old woman said, Well, Frankie was my favorite dog for the last 15 years. The preacher was frustrated. He said, you want me to do a funeral for your dog? He said, lady, don't bother me with this. I'm a busy man. I've got a lot of things to do. I'm insulted that you would call up and ask me to do a funeral for your dog. She said, well, okay, if you were going to do it, I was going to leave $50,000 to the church. And she started to hang up the phone. The preacher said, wait, 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 wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. You didn't tell me that Frankie was a Christian dog. Yeah, we uh, we put our foot in our mouth a lot. And Jesus tells us what causes that. It's the heart. <laughs> you speak what your heart feels. People often say after they say something, oh, I don't know why I said that. That's not me. Wrong. That's exactly who you are. You speak what your heart feels. Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. It is a litmus test. So if we constantly follow our hearts, and our hearts are not pure, we're going to choke on our feet a lot. If we go back to the Old Testament, we hear similar teachings Proverbs fourteen thirteen, the writer says, Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and joy may end in grief. And this gets back to what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17 about the heart being deceitful. Many people appear to be happy on the outside, but on the inside, they're miserable. Just think about the story of Robin Williams. You remember Robin Williams? One of the funniest men to ever live. He was in movies. He was on stages. But then one day, it caught the world by surprise when we learned that Robin Williams had committed suicide out of extreme depression. And people wondered, how? Why? This guy made his living making other people laugh. And we just assumed that he was a man 
who laughed himself. And that's exactly what Solomon meant when he wrote, even in laughter, the heart may ache. If you constantly follow your heart, you're going to have many hard days ahead of you, and laughing it off isn't going to help one bit. One more scripture, Proverbs 16, 9. Solomon says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. That's the icing on the cake. The clearest argument of all. You can follow your heart all you want, but at the end of the day, it's wasted energy. (laughs) We should laugh when we hear people talk about their plans for retirement or their five-year plan or their 10-year plan. You know, if I was living my plan that I had in high school, I'd be finishing my Major League Baseball career right now, thinking about what I was going to do next. Now, I know that sometimes we have dreams that are not very realistic, but even those day-to-day plans we have, they may or may not pan out. Because we may plan our course, but the Lord has the final say. So it is a much better decision to follow the Lord than it is to follow our hearts. So if we shouldn't follow our heart, as the world says that we should, what should we do with our heart? Well, I want to close today with three uses of the heart, and all of these are very biblical. First of all, the Bible teaches that we should love God with all of our hearts. As Moses told the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. The Lord God should be the very most important person in our lives. And we can't just love God with our minds. We have to love Him with our hearts as well. There's nothing wrong with loving God with our minds. When we love God with our minds, we study His Word and we put it into our memory. But we can't stop there. We love God with our hearts when we put His Word into practice. When we do what God tells us to do, And parents, Moses really calls us out here in this passage. He gives us a test. He says, do you want to know if you really love God with all of your heart? Well, you'll be talking about your children. And you'll be talking about God's commandments with your children. In the morning when they wake up, as you go through the day, when they lie down at night, it will just be a big part of who you are as a family. How many Christians love God with all their minds by talking about Him, debating about Him, teaching about Him, but they don't live like Him? Well, that's not loving God with all of your heart. Secondly, we should not only love God with all of our hearts, but we should trust God with all of our hearts. As Solomon described in Proverbs 3, 5-6, through Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. We know that we're trusting in the Lord when we aren't leaning on our own understanding, and that can be so very difficult. But when we do, the Lord makes our paths straight. Things just work out even when we don't know how they did 
or how they would. I love the story about an old preacher who was passing away and someone from his church came to visit him and said, I'm sure after all of these years of preaching and serving the Lord, you're confident because you've held on to God all of these years. And the preacher said, no, I'm confident because all of these years, God has held on to me. When we trust God with all of our hearts, God holds us tightly in his grip of grace. And finally, we should guard our hearts with everything that we have. As Solomon wrote in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. We can't allow the desire for a connection to overpower the purity of our hearts. We can't allow Satan to have a foothold in our marriages. We can't allow Satan to control our relationships. And the only way to keep Satan out is to keep our hearts focused on the Lord, not on our jobs or our homes or our image or our own selfishness, but only on the Lord. We have to guard our hearts from the evil that permeates our culture. We're children of God, and we're called to be holy as God is holy. Above all else, we guard our hearts, for our hearts are the wellspring of life. You know, we only get one heart, which means we only get one chance, and we have to guard it mightily. I don't know if you know the song or if you sing the song at your church, but we often sing a song called, Listen to Our Hearts. It's a beautiful song with a beautiful chorus, and deep into the message of the song, we cry out to God and we say, listen to our hearts, hear our spirits sing. A few years ago, I realized just how scary of a song that is to sing to God, the message that we're actually proclaiming. Do you really want God to listen to your heart? Because you know, there may be some things in your hearts that you just don't want God to hear. That's where God's grace enters the picture, and that's when we dwell and rejoice on the mercy of God. But if we're loving God with our hearts, if we're trusting God with our hearts, if we are guarding our hearts for God's glory, there's a very good chance that he will like what he hears. But if we're just following our hearts based on what our hearts want, or based on what we think our hearts want, well, you know what? It will be a much harder song to sing. The world says, follow your heart. But God says, be very, very careful. And I hope that you will continue to join us each week as we continue this series, Bumper Sticker Theology. I hope you have a great day, and I look forward to talking to you next time.